Welcome to the Roadrunner Exchange, a podcast featuring candid conversations about leadership, decision-making, and higher education with Dr. Janine Davidson, President of Metropolitan State University of Denver. I am your host, Dr. Samuel Jay, Associate Professor of Communication Studies and Presidential Faculty Fellow here at MSU Denver. On this week's episode, Dr. Davidson and I discussed the 2030 strategic plan, as well as the processes that went into developing the plan and what's to be expected in the semesters and years to come. Good morning, Dr. Davidson. Good morning. So today, I want to talk a little bit about the strategic plan and kind of get a little bit of insight from your perspective about the strategic plan and just go over the key elements because, you know, it's been put out there and people have been uh, able to read it and everything, but just hitting upon some of the key components of that, I think would be really good uh, for this particular podcast. So I, I, this is, this is first question is, is more or less has not a lot to do with MSU Denver, but, but more to do with you as a leader and your background. What is an organization, why does an organization even need a strategic plan? Yeah, very good question. <laughs> um, you know, you're right in my background, I've done a lot of strategy. I've done a lot of planning. Um, in the Pentagon, you do, a, you do a national security plan, you do a national defense plan, you do a national security strategy, you do a national defense strategy, you do a national security strategy, I mean, like all over the place. And then you do plans. Mm -hmm. And so what's a strategic plan? Um, I think it's really true that a plan serves at least, you know, it it serves two functions, really. One is it's an event. So, you know, President Eisenhower used to say, the plan is nothing. Planning is everything. So what did he mean by that? Well, in, in, you know, if you're general, they like to say that no plan survives first contact with the enemy. <laughs> so that's a little extreme in the case of higher ed, but the point being that you also have to be agile. And so the planning process, if you do it the right way, which I think Kathy Lucas and Matt Makeley and that whole team did do it the right way, which is you take, a, you take time and you are incredibly collaborative. You have all kinds of inquiry um, and you, know, you do risk coming to some watered down consensus. You have to always worry about that. But the point being that by the time you do you know, publish a document of some sort, People understand it because they helped create it. They were in the room. And then when people understand the context under which something like that was created, when conditions do change, they'll understand how to change and why. That's a, that's a big issue, right? Because it's sort of, it's not as linear. Um, it provides people enough context to say, well, this is who we are. This is why we're doing these things. But wow, we didn't expect that. It allows you to be more agile. And it also allows um, a lot more buy-in across the entire enterprise if, if the process is, is frankly long and inclusive. So I guess what you're saying is it's almost more important the, I guess the process itself is more important than the result because you're kind of marinating in it and all the mm-hmm. stakeholders are marinating in it. And you yeah, can- marinating, that's a good word. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, Eisenhower says it's more important now. I don't know if it's more important. It is at least as important, if not more important in some ways. How did, how did the organization, MSU Denver, but any organization, how do you decide what stakeholders you want to bring to the table and who don't have a seat there? Not because their voices don't matter, but obviously if you brought all 1600 employees or what have you to the table, you never get anything done. So how, how do you, how does, how does one select who comes in? Well, we don't, you, you, you start by selecting, right. Um, across your enterprise and across your community. So the enterprise is the, is the university, the community goes outside the university. Mm -hmm. We have alumni, we have, um, foundation board members, community cabinet members, we have partners, we have industry partners, we have all kinds of people who care about MSU Denver. We have government people, we have experts. So you kind of sit down and, and craft out that. That's just the first you know, volley. You bring all those people in and they start asking the same question you just asked. Who else do we need to bring in? So that's by invitation, you know, selecting as you say. <laughs> but then there's a whole other element here and it's a very public element. It's where you say, um, you know, I often say decisions get made by the people who show up. So if you're going to do something like this, your responsibility is to create the environment where people can show up. So like, I'm going to throw a party. Everybody can come. Not everybody will come, you know, and that, as you know, as a communications expert, trying to get the word out that we're going to have this listening session, we're going to do this um, focus group. We're going to have these committees that anybody who wants to can join. That's the structure that you set up that you invite people in. So you, yeah, you select your core team because that's how you start. The team decides whether it's the right team. And as you move along, you have to be agile and you have to be able to bring people in and people need to come in and out. Sometimes they, they may get busy and need to move on. So it, that's another reason why it takes a while, right? That first layer of listening and thinking and sensing takes a while. And there's multiple ways to do it. Um, you know, we had workshops, we had uh, focus groups, we had surveys, um, all kinds of things. Um, so you, you basically are setting the table and hopefully, you know, you create something compelling where people will want to come. How long did this particular plan take to coalesce? It took longer even than we planned. I mean, we planned for a year, you know, you do a, a strategic planning year and then, uh, you know, all the steps along the way where, you know, oh, and then you have to go back and forth with the board of trustees. Ultimately okay. it's the board of trustees that approves the plan. So they have to have their own sessions. They have to be invited to all the sessions. And, you know, at the end of the day, you know, they sign off on the language, they sign off on the pillars. And so we had just gotten to the point where, and you have to wordsmith things too. And this is mm -hmm. where, you know, the genius of the, of the team that Kathy created, you know, really having to think through, how do we take all these things that we talked about it and, and really articulate it in a way that, that does justice to what we're trying to um, do and also sends the message, right? Mm -hmm. So that takes a while. <clears throat> and it was right about this time last year, <laughs> I think the board meeting in January, February, where the board approved the plan or actually approved the pillars. And then there, the, the final step was going to be 
a bunch more so socialization. And then the final publication of the document was going to happen in the summer. And then bam, guess what happened? I heard that there was a pandemic. I don't know. Maybe that yeah. was a... Well, COVID <laughs> happened. That's right. And um, so I, 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 and I don't do this very often, but I sort of just made a, a top-down decision. I said, stop the bus. We need to take a strategic pause and we need to pressure test our, our trajectory. Within about, you know, we left campus in March. By April, it was really clear that everyone's talking about the post-pandemic world and what's going to happen and the economy is about to crash and all these things were happening. And so we thought, I, I said, we need to do a, what I call the futures exercise, a, a red team where you, where you um, basically pressure test your assumptions. Mm -hmm. And so we brought in um, a consultant, um, Dan Baer, um, he's actually one of our community cabinet members, not really that much of a consultant. He's more of a partner. <laughs> and he and um, Kathy's team connected and they did um, a, work a workshop or two where they basically had people um, play different roles and dream through what they thought the future would be like, alternative futures. Okay. And you know, when you do an alternative futures exercise, guess who you bring in? Historians and philosophers, because wow. they know how, again, another plug for the liberal arts and the humanities, <laughs> but they know how to think through those sort of things. And so we have these alternative futures, what might the future look like? And then you take, well, okay, so let's look at our trajectory. And you know, what we learned was that in a post-pandemic world, at least the ones that we could envision, that the trajectory we were on was pretty sound. In fact, the ideas that we had for this strategic plan in some ways, we needed to double down on um, on the idea that we exist to serve students in their complex lives, mm -hmm. in their zigzaggy lives, as opposed to trying to be like some traditional university of of the, of history. You know, where everybody comes for four years, people's lives will be more disrupted. We learned, or we felt, um, they're going to need more flexible options to include um, certificates and degrees and night school and weekends and online. And we're going to need to be even more agile than we like to champion ourselves as. How does this relate to the infrastructure plan? Because I know that that's a conversation that we probably need to have down the road, but what does that mean? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so in architecture, they say form follows function. So, you know, the building you're designing needs to match the purpose of the building. <laughs> Sounds pretty obvious, but um, at a strategic level, the, not just the campus, but the infrastructure that we need on campus, off campus, virtually, not virtually, how is it going to support our needs, wants, and dreams into the future? And so, we have been doing some what you might call ideating <laughs> and dreaming about uh, our infrastructure needs, wants, and dreams for a while now. And I think a lot of these, in, in, and I would say we've been doing it in, in some silos, right? We dreamed up, you know, what do we want for a career center? And it, it kind of blossomed into an entire student union. And then we thought that was too big. And we came up, so we had a team doing that. We had a team... Um, looking at the older parts of campus, 
um, that we don't control our own because it's the shared campus. We had people dreaming up West Central classroom and um, what is it, West Arts and Central, where most of our credit hour production at MSU Denver happens. We had um, Araria brought in a couple years ago, an architect to reimagine the PE event center. What would you do with that big Olympic swimming pool that is a big you know, eyesore and one of the things that bothers me about this campus. We've had Colleen Walker at Auraria has is currently in the process of doing an reimagining of the Tivoli. So again, we've got all these things happening. In, and then we have this huge health institute plan that we're trying to do. And so all these streams come together right now. We finished our strategic plan. Auraria is about to start their, their strategic plan. They're sort of starting it and ideating on it. We have all new leadership across the Auraria campus. And I got to tell you, they are an amazing group of women and they are really excited to reimagine Auraria, reimagine what it means to be a tri-institutional campus and then therefore what we need to do about the campus. And so all that comes together at this moment in time to make us say, wait a second, okay, let's, let, and now that we finished our strategic plan, what do we need in terms of our infrastructure? And how can what we're trying to build to meet our academic programs and our mission, our student-focused mission, um, what, how, can the, how can changes to the Auraria campus in particular meet those needs? So whereas before, honestly, um, with the politics and the finances, I, I, I was not very optimistic that we would be able to do creative things on the Auraria campus because like we don't own those buildings. Now, I think everything is on the table. We have very collaborative, creative and innovative partners and we all have a shared goal to um, upgrade um, these older buildings in a way that can meet our mission objectives going forward. So I think there's a lot of great ideas out there. And, um, you know, again, you know, the, the strategic planning team is, is working up a, a new process to take a look at that stuff. So people that are interested um, can, can participate as well. Let's get into a little, a little nitty gritty here, just because I want to kind of get your perspective on a few things. Sure. So the vision statement is we are a nationally recognized leader for social mobility, where students of all ages and backgrounds build a better, more equitable Colorado through innovative and transformative education. In your own words, what's that vision statement mean to you? Like, how does it impact you as the president on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, vision statements are as important as they are nearly impossible to craft. <laughs> you know, uh, it's hard to resist the urge to put every single thing in there, um, but they're super important because they give us what I would call our star to steer by. You okay. know, at the end of the day, you come back and you say, what are we trying to do here? You know, why do we get up in the morning? And it, I think the, the vision statement that we came up with that you just read, it has so many things in there without being overly long, right? Mm -hmm. So it does, it talks, it's, it's student focused social mobility. That's what students are asking for. That's mm -hmm. what we are becoming known for, but it also is ambitious because it's not just about um, keeping our head down and doing our little job. It's about engaging 
And um, when we say we want to be a nationally recognized leader, mm-hmm. that means we have to not only do what we're doing and be awesome, we actually have to engage in the entire community of practice of higher education to you know, learn and teach right. about what this means and what students are looking for and what the, what, the, what the nation, frankly, needs from higher education. There's a lot of negativity about higher ed right now. And we need to be a sort of a, a beacon of light. <laughs> uh, uh, look here, we are helping solve the problems that you're complaining about is what oh we're God. trying to say. How does that, I'll read the, I'll read the mission statement now, because I just want to know like how they differ. So the mission statement is to provide a high quality, accessible, enriching education that prepares students for successful careers, postgraduate education, and lifelong learning in a multicultural, global, and technological society. To fulfill its mission, our diverse university community engages the greater Denver community in scholarly inquiry, critical activity, and the application of knowledge. How do you operationalize that? And then how is that different than, yeah, than the vision statement? statement. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, that mission statement is too long, but (laughs) it also has everything we need in it. Okay. The other part of that, that mission statement is our mission statement comes from the legislature. Okay. So we didn't touch it, but the difference between a mission statement and it's, but it's right. It has everything in there. It is what we do. So the difference between a mission statement and a vision statement vision is like, star to steer by what we want to be a mission statement is what we do okay at least in our you know in different different enterprises do these things differently some people don't even have a mission statement somebody we don't have a vision statement yada 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 right we have both um so we crafted our own vision statement but the um, mission statement didn't really change when, you notice in both of those, there's, there's references to diversity and equity, right? right? Build a more equitable Colorado and then, you know, fulfill our, our diverse university community. You know, so you, you see both of those themes in there. And I think, again, to your question about why does this stuff matter? I don't have to tell you, but language matters. And right. when you hear it a lot and see it a lot, it becomes embedded into, um, who you are as an organization and, and the people that work here and want to work here. They, when they think about MSU Denver, they think about things like equity, diversity, social mobility. It, it, it just rolls off the tongue. That makes total sense to me. Let's talk about core values. Cause I think those I feel like have circulated for the last year or so, a little bit more than even the mission statement and the vision statement. So their community access, diversity, respect, and excellence cadre, right? Um, how do each of these influence our plan as we move towards achieving our vision for the university? So I guess we can start with community. What, what does that mean to you? Sure. I think it's really cool that we actually did not really change these. Okay. You know, these cadre was cadre when I got here. Yeah. We changed the E actually. We, could, we say E squared. It's actually entrepreneurship and excellence. I like that. Um, because when I, you know, so community, definitely it's about who we are as roadrunners, but also it's about who we are as an anchor institution, right? Okay. So we are, I often say we are in Denver, but we are also of Denver. We are in Colorado, we are of Colorado. So, you know, like what we're doing with the vaccine distribution and be, making sure that we're opening to the community. That's, that's what we do, man, you know? Yeah. 
also it's about internally, you know, being a community feeling as though we take care of each other, Mm -hmm. which I think, I think, you know, you saw so much of that during COVID, you know, people shoring each other up and helping each other out. So what about uh, access? Access, access, well, hey, by law, and we are an access institution, which is one of the reasons why we all love, love it here, right? Right. And I'm proud of the fact that we are the only access undergraduate institution um, in the state four year, if you want to call it that. And so highlighting that as something that, you know, what are we doing to make sure that we're accessible? Is, is I think something we have to constantly be thinking about. So that's definitely baked into our DNA. That's diversity. No, go ahead. No, no, no. I mean, uh, what do you think about that? Well, I think these, I, these pillars, even when I was thinking about it prior to our conversation, they're so like, it's not, it's clear that they weren't just these buzzwords that, that everybody threw out and planning the strategic plan. Like they make total sense. The community Obviously, we talk about it all the time access. It is the, the defining characteristic of what we do, even at the departmental level and the faculty level. And then diversity, right? I mean, diversity is is key. What what does I guess you know what does that word mean to you as it relates to our university? I, I see diversity in so many ways, and I have to tell you also, I I learn every day. I mean, I love the you know we have a vice president for diversity, equity, and inclusion, Michael Benitez, who is you know a scholar in the field and a practitioner mm-hmm. and you know, he and I, you know, he, he educates me all the time, you know, obviously right. um, diversity. So of, I think about it in terms of um, who we are. Right. And I think about as in so many levels, are we creating uh, an environment where people feel like they are in, empowered and um, part of the decision-making process. So we talked about how inclusive we were with developing the strategic plan. Well, well why were we inclusive? Not, not just, um, you know, for all these reasons, um, because when you have lots of people at the table, you get better ideas. When you have lots of types of people at the table, you get better ideas. Also, because it's the right thing to do. You want people to feel as though and actually be in reality, um, valued part of this community, right? And so diversity, it it encompasses so many things across the university, diversity of age, diversity of um, perspective. I want historians at the table. I want engineers at the table. I want people of color at the table. I want LGBTQ people at the table. I want women, I want men. Um, It's a well-known fact. You're gonna make better decisions. You're gonna be a stronger university. That said, it ain't easy. When you bring diverse perspectives in, you get uh, conflicting ideas. You generate friction. Um, and I have said this before, but I learned it the hard way. Friction isn't always bad. You got to have friction to move. And so the key is to be able to bring lots of people in. And that gets to the very next um, uh, point is respect. Diversity and respect go hand in hand. If you want to soar as a university, as an enterprise, as an institution, you're going to bring lots of different people in. You're going to have lots of different voices. By definition, that's going to generate friction. It's going to put heat in the system. You have to know how to handle that. And one of the basic tools for how to handle that is respect. You can constantly come back to respect. I don't understand your point of view, but I respect your point of view. I don't agree with your point of view, but I respect your point of view. I respect you enough to actually try to understand why you just said that. Yeah. Right. 
Yeah. So important. We have, as a nation, so much work to do in that area. You know, every generation has challenges there. And so, you know, we have to be humble in our, in our goals here. And we have like to, that. if you just keep coming back to, I mean, look, man, these issues have been around for so long. Um, but we, we have this core belief as Americans that, you know, multicultural society and a diverse society will be a stronger society. Yet we also have so much trouble operationalizing that. Yeah. And I think the term respect yeah. is like, it, you know, there's others, but if you can just keep remembering that, then maybe you can, um, you know, smooth out some of these rough edges and, and actually move forward. What about this last pillar, this last value, excellence? Excellence. I love excellence. And I'll tell you why. When I first came here and, you know, I, I, you know, I've taught at Georgetown and, you know, GW, I've lectured there. I've taught at Davidson College, which is like this super expensive, small liberal arts school. I taught there for a semester. And I also taught at big flagships like, you know, George Mason and, um, and I've been, I went to big flagships mm -hmm. and, you know, you come to a school like MSU Denver, you yeah. start talking to your, to the faculty, which I did my very first couple months here. And it became super clear to me that this is the best kept secret in higher ed. And the reason I say that is because I don't care. I don't really know what us news and world report is ranking on. They're ranking on the, the input, you know, SAT scores and research dollars. Mm -hmm. If they were to rank on what happens in the classroom, and on the quality of, you know, the professors um, as teachers and as scholars, yeah. um, no one is going to beat MSU Denver. I mean, the classroom experience, you know, for the student experience was more like what I experienced at Davidson College, which was like super duper, like I said, expensive compared to, you know, a, my experience as an undergrad where I had 300 students in my freshman physics class. Yeah. Well, that doesn't happen here. So the idea of excellence, I think, is really important to put into our core values because um, it reminds us, you know, it, it stiffens our spine, it, you know, lifts our head. And um, don't let anybody tell you that because we're an access university, because it's easy to get into MSU Denver, that it's lesser in any way at all, because it's not. It's, an ama it's so amazing, you know. Yeah. So I think excellence is super important to I have think, as a reminder. Yeah, no, no, I, that's, a, it's not even, it, it's a defining principle, I think, and it should gird everything that we do in the classroom and beyond here. So I like that. Last question. Uh, what do you want faculty and staff to know about the strategic plan? How do you want them to engage with it and interact with it? Well, hopefully faculty and staff have participated in designing it. And um, I think that it, the word that comes to mind when you ask me that question is pride, well, there's two words, pride and agility, mm -hmm. right? I think that it paints a picture of who we are and where we're going that is bold and compelling. And also, you know, I think it, it can't, we can be a model mm -hmm. nationally for, um, what what America needs in higher education institutions, and I think it lays that it lays that out. But also, I would say agility as yeah. well. Uh, like I said, like 
no plan survives first contact with reality sometimes. Um, and we saw that like crazy this year with the pandemic. We don't know exactly what the future will hold. And I'll give you another cliche, but there, there's one way to predict the future. It's to create it. I like that. So, you know, they say downtown Denver partnerships motto is great cities don't just happen. Mm -hmm. They don't. People plan it. They think about it. They dream it. They envision it. Well, great universities don't just happen. You have to believe that we can be a model and a recognized leader nationally for social mobility. You have to believe that we will be, you know, we will climb that huge mountain for equity, diversity, and inclusion, and that we can do it. I like and that. the leaders have to exude yeah. that. Yeah belief Perfect. and passion that's a that's a good it's a good something to end on there especially as we kind of move forward um with vaccinations and with uh you know planning for fall and all of that so dr davidson thank you for going through the strategic plan with me and, and helping explain it and also provide your perspective on the whole experience so uh, until next week thank you thank you